Good morning. Dare to follow. That's our theme of our new series, Dare to Follow. What do you follow? Who do you follow? And what does your following them mean? Maybe you follow a football team. And the following means that you make sure you get the latest kit and you put it on because you need to be up with the latest thing and the latest sponsors. You watch every football match, you check, your, check the news gossip and make sure you know who's managing, managing your team this week. <laughs> and you're searching constantly for the latest information. And <clears throat> you're trying to decide whether you're happy or sad and you follow and you get involved emotionally with it. And when they win, you're in a good mood. And when, you're bad, when, they, when they lose, you're in a bad mood. And you know better than the manager about how they should run their team. So you have, you know, you're there and you're on your couch and you're saying, that manager is rubbish because I know it all. The fact he's paid far more than me because he's shown that he's better than me. It's a load of rubbish. I know best because I follow this team avidly. Oh, do you know what? Football gets people excited, doesn't it? Don't we hear some rubbish by from football fans as well? But it's another matter. You know. But you follow. And you follow with passion. You follow with real commitment. And they still lose. With apologies to all Tottenham fans. I wasn't going to mention West Ham. There's no need to upsold it, Steve. Come on. <laughs> or maybe you follow a musical artist and you do everything because this musical artist is the best. You've got all their records. Oh, that's old-fashioned saying, but you've downloaded all their tunes or you've got all the tunes on your Spotify playlist and you've got it all worked out and they are the best music artists and you constantly listen to them. And maybe you even start to dress like them. Think about Elvis impersonators for a moment. That's enough of thinking about them. But they dare to follow, and they follow in every way. I used to have somebody in one of my churches, and she was named after one of Elvis's children. Her children were named after Elvis's family, and... You couldn't criticise Elvis at all. Actually, she still thought Elvis was alive. And she still followed him and went to all the Elvis reunions and all those sort of things. But she dared to follow. Maybe you dare to follow a celebrity and you like to keep up on all the celebrity gossip and all that sort of thing and making sure you follow in them. Or it might be somebody who's very clever in crafts. Or you might follow an inspiring person and want to learn from them as much as you can. Dare to follow. Well, friends, there's nothing wrong with following a football team if you're so wired. <laughs> or there's nothing wrong about getting passionate about a music or whatever. But sometimes I wonder if we actually follow Jesus. 
with the same passion we follow other things. Do we follow Jesus with the passion that we have for other things in our lives? Or is our faith in Jesus our Sunday habit but doesn't shape us at all? Is our following Jesus something that we used to do and we still do out of habit, but rather than that deep, deep passion? And so in this series, we're going to ask, what does it mean to really, really follow Jesus? And how will that shape us? Jesus' words, as Vicky indicated earlier in the service, to his disciples was two words, two simple words he asked his disciples at the beginning of his ministry. And it was simply, follow me. It's interesting if you look at John 21 and Jesus' reinstatement of Peter there. You know, Peter had done it, all the things, he denied Christ, he got it wrong. Jesus again uses the same two words in John 21. Follow me. Very simple phrase. Follow me. So how far will you follow? How far will you follow Jesus? I remember once somebody was lost and they needed to get to somewhere where I was going. I said, just follow me. And so they were following me in their car. I was driving my car and we lost each other. And you know, when you're the leader, you get, where are they gone? Well, apparently they decided they didn't want to follow me when I saw them next time because they sat now beside a different route and they got stuck in traffic. But they were committed to following me until they thought they found a better way. And so often we're committed to following Jesus. We're committed to what he wants until something comes along and distracts us or takes us off on a different route. And then... We stop following because suddenly we feel we know better. That's no different to eating a fruit which God had told you not to because you thought you knew better. So as we jump into this series, we got the talk of Jesus being baptised. And I'm, not, I'm asking you not to turn off if you were baptised, thinking, oh, I've done this bit. Because I'm asking you to think back to it. Jesus was now 30 years old. And as a 30-year-old, Jesus had grown up. He had not begun his ministry yet. His time had not yet come to start his ministry. So for 30 years, he had grown up. Of course, in that 30 years, he'd had a pretty tough time. He'd been a refugee. Do you realise that about Jesus? 
As we sit and condemn all the people who are coming to our shores to flee things, you're condemning something that Jesus did. Think about it. As you're denying things to others, Jesus said, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. Jesus was a refugee. Mary and Joseph had to flee for the life of their son who was being hunted by an evil leader. It's been 30 years since that fanfare of angels and the visit of smelly shepherds. The Magi had eventually caught up with him and then he flee to Egypt because he was in danger. When it was safe to return home, he returned home with his parents. But we see a slightly rebellious teenager in Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Did I just say he was sinful? No, I didn't. I said he was rebellious. There are good rebellions. As Jesus went up to the temple with his parents at the age of 12, we read how he got into debate with the rabbis and the leaders and he got lost from his parents and his parents saying, where are you? Parents, you know what it's like to bring up kids and how worrying it is? Mary and Joseph agree. Jesus was discovering what his humanity was like. And yet he did not fail. He did not sin. But he was questioning even as a teenager. He was exploring with the rabbis. He was teaching through the scriptures. But now he is 30 and he's about to begin his ministry. Now anybody who's thinking of beginning a movement at this point probably would have had a group of people around them to plan. And they'd want to make the big splash. Now I know it's 2,000 years ago, but he didn't have his social media campaign ready. He didn't have all his powerful people around him. He didn't get the political leaders around him. He didn't bring out an album that, or a song that was going to hit the charts. He didn't write a book. And he didn't even leak the book before it was ready to be published, just so that people might take notice of it. He didn't do the TV interview rounds or even stand for election. How did Jesus begin his ministry? The biggest revolution that the world has ever seen, the biggest change the person who more people have followed than anybody in history, the more person whose life has changed more lives than anybody in history. How did it begin? Jesus went to be baptised. You see, if you dare to follow Jesus, you end up doing countercultural things. You end up being different. Because Jesus didn't do the things the way the world does it. Jesus did it differently. And he meant to be baptised. 
You see, baptism. Baptism was quite common in New Testament times, and often it was a baptism for repentance. Of course, you can't say Jesus had a baptism of repentance because, according to the scriptures, he hadn't sinned. But it was a baptism of commitment. A baptism of commitment. We had baptisms here last Sunday. Wasn't it great? Yeah, great to have baptisms. And to see lives that God's turned around. Do you remember your baptism? Maybe you were asked a question like this at your baptism. Will you follow Jesus wherever he calls you to go? That question, will you follow? You'd probably been asked something like that. Or do you renounce your sin and intend to follow Christ? It's another word that they used. It was a baptism of commitment. And as people were baptised here last week, they were baptised to committing their lives to Jesus. How are you doing in your commitment these years after your baptism? How are you doing? Have you dared to follow? And how is the following going? How is your following of Jesus going? You dared to start, but did you dare to finish? Did you dare to go on? Or have you become distracted? Jesus' baptism was one of commitment. His commitment was to doing the work for which he had been sent by his Father. This is a point of decision. A point of decision of whether to follow or not to follow. To do or not to do. Jesus knew in his mind that it's not going to be long, it's going to be three years before he's going to be crucified. He could have chosen not to do it. But no, his baptism was a baptism of commitment. As he went down into that water with John baptising, and I'm not going to go into the debate between about why John baptised Jesus, Jesus was committing his life, or what remained of it, to doing what was needed for the world. Will you dare follow? Would you dare follow? It was a sign of a new beginning, his life as a free person in many ways, is now gone. He's about the father's business. Of course, he was always about the father's business. And he says that to his parents, you know, I'd have been in my father's household. But this is a moment of beginning. It's a new beginning. A new beginning. Now let me just talk about something, a scenario that could never happen. 
Samuel, our treasurer, is here. Samuel's a lovely guy. And if there's one thing you know about Samuel, is he does have a love for Arsenal. <laughs> he, he's had a few years of feeling rather down, but he's feeling okay this year. <laughs> I want you to imagine that Samuel has a change of mind and he's converted and starts to spot, follow the wolves. I know it's a scenario that might not happen. And he's following the wolves because he's used to being depressed. And it's not happening this year. So he's If he was going to do that, he would start to deny all things Arsenal. Because he's now a wolf supporter. He would not wear the Arsenal colours. He'd wear the wolf supporters' colours. It's not as good as it, yellow and black. But anyway, <laughs> he would have made a decision to change. And that change would be all-embracing. It would affect his thoughts. It would affect his family. It would affect what he prioritised on. Now that's not going to happen. At least he's not told me it's going to happen. <laughs> and he's saying amen very clearly now. It's not going to happen. But... At some point in Samuel's life, and I'm picking on Samuel because I know he's a lovely guy. At some point in Samuel's life, he did make a decision that changed his life. And that decision was when he just chose to follow Jesus. Because that did change him. It changed his priorities, it changed his speech, it changed his behaviour, it changed who he was. And if you cut Samuel in half, you won't see the Arsenal crest, you'll see Jesus. And at the point we are baptised, at a new beginning, it's about the way we live the rest of our lives, all the rest of our lives, the way we speak, the way we talk, the way we speak about God's church, the way we speak about God, the way we treat each other. That is what new beginnings is like. And if we dare to follow... If we dare to truly follow Jesus, it should affect the whole of us. The whole of us. Jesus underwent baptism as an act of obedience, an act of commitment, an act, a sign of new beginnings, and a sign of humility. If you look at the scale of people of importance, humanly speaking, we might put politicians and then royalty, or royalty, then politicians, depending on your politics. We might put world leaders and that sort of thing. I'm going to argue now this morning at the top of that list more important than all is Jesus Christ. Yet Jesus Christ the most important human in all of history was willing to be doing the humiliating thing of being baptised by a locust eating 
animal fur-wearing, smelly, desert-living John the Baptist. Why? Because that's what obedience means. And he was going to begin his ministry right. And Jesus was baptized as an example to us all. His obedience, his humility, his commitment, his new beginning caused a voice from God to speak out. God spoke out. We read in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, at that moment the heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. At that point of obedience and commitment, God validated it all. You recall last week when we baptised people, what's the first thing we did with them? We laid hands on them and Shadi prayed, God's Holy Spirit coming on them. Picking up the scripture, God's Spirit filling, God's Spirit leading, God's Spirit shaping. I love the slightly cryptic thing. If you've got a Bible, just... Uh, Humor me for a minute and just flick over to Luke chapter 3. I know those of you who with electronic Bibles now have to go back to the menu and go and find Luke, but that's fine. In Luke chapter 3, as Luke records the baptism, it has this lovely line. Verse 23. Now Jesus himself was 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son of... So it was thought. I love that phrase, so it was thought. That's a phrase that people had made assumptions about the Jesus they knew. And so it was thought he was the son of Joseph. And they go through the genealogy of Jesus based upon the fact that he was the son of Joseph. But we know differently. He was the son of God. And with all that genealogy pointing him back to David's line, we can say, well, actually, there's a direct line to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And that is who we're called to follow, who we dare to follow. And if the person we call to follow is prepared to do this simple act 
commitment. Would we follow? Will we follow in other ways? And if you were baptized, I want to ask you the question. Are you still following Jesus today? And if Jesus came and said, oh, come, just come and sit down with a minute. This is going to really upset the camera. I apologize. I'll put it back on the stage for you, Sam. Jesus is here. Well, he actually is here because we sung that, didn't we? Here he is this morning. And if you've got an interview with Jesus right now, those of you who've been in work know that there's appraisals go on. How's it going? And Jesus says to you, how are you doing in keeping my promises? How is your life decisions at the moment reflecting what I want you to do? How are you doing as a disciple? You promised to follow me. How's it going? What will be your response? What would be your response? You see, as we start off about daring to follow Jesus, Jesus didn't ask for our Sunday lives. He asked for our whole lives. He doesn't ask it just for a week or a month. He asks it for the rest of our lives. So will you follow? It's interesting, we have no record of Jesus ever baptizing anybody. But we do have the record of his last words. In Matthew 28, in Acts chapter 1, where he said, Go into all the world and make disciples. And then what's he say? Baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And our text of the year that we looked at last week from Isaiah 54, verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your te tent curtains wide. Do 
not hold back. I'm asking this morning, are you holding back from truly following Jesus? Will you really, truly dare to follow? And will that change your life decisions? Even if you were baptised five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, fifty years ago, and I'm sure I've not gone up high enough for somebody and they'll tell me after the service that they were baptised seventy years ago. That's great. How's it shaping you today? How's it shaping you today? Your attitude, your words, the way you gossip or not, the way you undermine what God is doing, the way you criticize. shaping you? Will you truly dare to follow? Our next song is a prayer. This is my desire to follow.